Hi folks, welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. We're about halfway through this year's World Certification Week, the annual event in which HubSpot donates $5 for every certification awarded during the week to nonprofits dedicated to expanding access and opportunities for education around the world. And because a lot of the events and sessions and conversations this week have been around using World Cert Week as a good opportunity for preparing for the next application window of accreditations, it only made sense to bring on Samuel Banks, head of implementation at Fulius, a solutions partner who has been awarded three accreditations. So Sam joins the pod and shares how he identifies the work his team does as a partner as being well aligned with a specific accreditation and how others can determine their readiness and eligibility. He shares the actual application preparation process itself, including who is involved across the team, the project management approach applied, the time and bandwidth required, and how to leverage the preparation resources made available by HubSpot. He then goes into application design with his tips and strategies for building applications and submissions with a greater likelihood of success. And we wrap with a discussion on prerequisite certifications and how Fulius assigns, tracks, and manages that process for their team. World Certification Week celebration rolls on with a new episode of Agency Unfiltered. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How you doing? Yeah, all good. How's things on your side, Kevin? You know, not too bad. Uh, as you know, I mean, by the time this goes out, I don't know if I should be talking about it as if we're in the week of release or if I should talk about it knowing it's coming. But World Certification Week, right, both the run up to and maybe at the time of listening, uh, is here, right? Big event, big deal for the HubSpot Academy team and hopefully our learners too. So yeah, man, good things, exciting times. Uh, it's always a fun time of year. Uh, maybe Fulius is feeling the same way, but how are you doing? Yeah, all good. I mean, it's, it's a bittersweet moment. Uh, I love certification week. It's great. Always a nice reminder that I need to re- renew those 42 certs. So course, uh, yes. I'm sure I'll be making sure I do that and, you know, getting HubSpot to spend a bit of money for good causes either way. Uh, and I can imagine you are all super diligent, maybe the whole team, super vigilant at recertifying, not letting any of your certifications expire. I bet you're just the absolute best at that uh best is a stretch but uh we try our we try our best so uh yeah again whole team's super focused here making sure you know they've got the right certs making sure that we're doing it at the right time and we're not lapsing because you know <laughs> uh, the irony is the product moves quicker than the certifications at times so we it just does. Need to, we just need to stay on top of that as much as possible yeah, I think yeah. our professors, our content creators may echo that same sentiment, right? And trying to keep up with that. <laughs> I uh, feel you. I feel you. Don't worry. <laughs> so Sam, uh, excited to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, your work in uh, Fulius's work uh, around the HubSpot accreditation strategy specifically. Uh, obviously, uh, we know that the prerequisite certification piece is a heavy lift. It can be a heavy lift. Uh, yeah. And so I think maybe the genesis of our conversation today is knowing that maybe World Certification Week uh, is a really strategic time to be thinking about prerequisites, assigning out, completing prerequisites, knowing that, you know, if you're interested in accreditations, 
you know, you'll need those, uh, but why not raise some money for some nonprofits and charities while you do it, right? So maybe a strategic week to do so. Uh, uh, and I guess the other piece too is that we know the next window of accreditations is, is you know, quickly approaching uh, in August. So anyways, uh, enough of me. What I'd like to get into with you, Sam, and maybe I'll, I'll tee it up with this question. We know the catalog of accreditations is growing. You know, there's various pockets of uh, expertise and skills uh, that we're looking to, to validate and verify. How do you or how does the team uh, identify the work that you're doing in any across any engagements? How do you identify that work as being well aligned or a good fit for uh, a specific accreditation in the menu? Maybe that's where we'll, we'll start. Yeah, I mean, it's HubSpot's been on a journey. And I think this accreditation, to call it out lightly, is very much uh, it's a new way of working for HubSpot and validating partners, right? Historically, HubSpot had a, a sales-first approach to rewarding partners on tiering and their capabilities, I think it's fair to say. And the move towards accreditations just allows those partners that more are specialized in certain areas and certain applications of HubSpot to get that same recognition that they may not have done so in the previous kind of tiering strategy. So I guess one of the first questions that we often come to, especially when the, the program first launched, was where do you start? Uh, I think you alluded to it earlier. You know, we've got accreditations coming around the corner. You've got, you know, two more that are coming in August. We've got the, I think up until now, there's about four, uh, four to five that have already been released. So they're thick and fast, right? And you, it's going to get to a point where you as a partner, you're not going to be able to know, you know, you can't do them all. Um, or if you can, you're going to have a dedicated team in doing them, uh, which I'm sure we'll touch on later on. <laughs> but um, the question pertains, which is, okay, which one do you pick? And I guess now being a HubSpot partner isn't as one-dimensional as the product once was in terms of like HubSpot as a marketing platform that started out. Now you could be rolling out, you know, operational efficiencies. You can be doing RevOps. You can do an inbound marketing campaigns. There's so many avenues you can take. I think identifying the accreditation that really serves you is where you have the most track record and portfolio improving that because ultimately as we find through this accreditation process the whole principle is proven examples so it's all well and good you kind of looking at this um the the program and saying you know we want the integrations accreditation but if, you, if you've not done it today you you won't have anything to submit and you're just causing yourself more headache um and more importantly where does your target market kind of sit, right? The whole purpose of accreditations is one, to validate your expertise in that area, but also so HubSpot can support you in putting the right prospect in front of the right partner. And ultimately, if you're stretching yourself to get an accreditation, you don't have many proven track records in, do in doing, you're going to get the wrong type of prospect, right? That you're not ultimately going to go on to delight. So yeah. I think it comes back from who's your target market what is the great work you're already doing and where do we have the proven track record to get off the ground quickly and easily without causing additional burden on the team? Yep. I love that. It's a, it's a really interesting framing. Yes. Where's the existing track record? Uh, where do you have proven examples based on whatever criteria an individual accreditation is looking for? But love the note about the target market, right? Obviously, you know, we would want HubSpot would want accreditations uh, to be a really strong form of differentiation, right, for our partners. And so, yeah, you'd want to go ahead and be accredited for a service or, you know, an engagement type that is going to speak to uh, and attract whoever your ideal client profiles are, your target market, right? So you want that alignment to be there as well. I love that. Uh, Sam, you uh, also mentioned 
just super quick, which is uh, a really great point is like kind of the evolution or the, you'd mentioned the journey, like where the HubSpot partner program is going. And we know uh, the tiering system, you know, for a long time was very sales heavy. And so tiering as a primary point of differentiation was built on, all right, you know, the sales engines that our partners uh, were able to establish, but with something like accreditations, and we've seen some changes to the tiering system too, exactly. now we're starting to figure out, right, how do we actually identify the partners who can deliver the highest levels of services, quality of services, right, strategic insight into those services, et cetera. And so, uh, you know, love the, the framing that you had there as well. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I think the main thing, the, the way to look at it as well is, you know, don't underestimate the program. The program's going to change and it's, it's only going to change, right? It's something that's very new as the tiering system has seen changes, the accreditation will as well. And the way that you getting in on this kind of uh, program early doors means that you will pilot and be a pioneer of helping develop that program in terms of how you as a partner will want that to run. Whether that is from a, you know, a, a sales collaboration in terms of like, how do you get the right leads once, you know, they need to be onboarded, if that's the route you want to go down, or maybe you want to do platform enablement, right? Because you've got a thought leadership approach to training and enablement and you want to do more classroom training. This, so I think the accreditation is also a great way to, even if you don't know where your track record is, to help you establish where other partners may already have one so you can find your niche. And I think the accreditations program really helps you in defining what our core USP is in working with HubSpot long-term. Yeah, absolutely. So Sam, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, what does you know the, the initial kickoff for accreditations look like internally for a partner, right? Like how do I determine my readiness uh, and how do I start to get my ducks in a row, if you will, uh, to start tackling what we know to be a fairly, you know, rigorous process. It requires a a heavy lift. And so, uh, you know, what's the readiness uh, look like? What's that kind of kickoff and preparation look like? Uh, How hard does the pendulum have to swing towards accreditations from some other things maybe I'm working on or I have in flight, you know, how reactionary is it? So love to get a sense of what the early planning may look like for that. Yeah. So I guess the way to look at this as a partner ultimately is, you know, you don't go into a business quarter going, we need to do X amount of accreditations, but soon you will be because ultimately it's part of developing the agency development. Now, the way that I look at this is once you know what the accreditation you want to do, the secondary point to that is establishing who needs to be involved, who needs to be consulted, who needs to be directly accountable for it. So we internally operate on the RACI system. So being able to assign accountabilities across the project, meaning that you might be accountable for helping do the direction of that accreditation submission, but you're not the one that may be actually doing it on the day to day, right? For example, we recently did the custom, we've actually submitted our custom integration accreditation today. So hopefully that all comes in or else this uh, podcast is going to be a great watch back. Um, <laughs> Best of luck. Fingers crossed for you. Best of luck. Appreciate that. Um, but generally speaking, this one was a bit of a different one. So naturally our bread and butter at Fulius is that we do heavily complex implementations, right? We do do custom integrations, hence why we applied for it, but what we actually found with this is there was more time investment because we needed to consult and involve our development team, right? So the core levers that you kind of need to call upon is that in terms of that question, when should you do this and when are you ready? In terms of the person that is individually responsible for getting this over the line, do they have the resource and bandwidth? So in this case, does our development team have the dedicated two to three hours to do 
step one in terms of consulting on the application. And step two, in terms of doing the video case study, right? There's no point Samuel Banks, head of implementation, consulting on how we built a complex integration, right? Because I didn't do it. The, the importance of an accreditation isn't just you have a proven track record. It means you've also got breadth of experience within the agencies to do it. So the right people are speaking to the right accreditation. So one of the, one of the things we needed to consider was, okay, when do we, what accreditations do we go for? When do we apply for it? And when's the right window to get involved? Like, do, do, do we have the resource? Do we have the bandwidth? And more importantly, do we have the right personality types to get involved in that as well? Because naturally, as we know, a development background is very much back of house as opposed to a front of house. Sure, yeah. And getting those to go on camera isn't always the easiest, right? You could say that's half the battle. Um, but in doing so, it's probably been our best submission to date. So resource is a key factor. I also think you've got also got to look at, you know, your whole marketing function generally. Like you need to do the write-up. You need to consolidate all your documents, your evidence. Yeah, And I think one thing you can really underestimate is um, you're going to need references, right? So you're going to need to get um, people to validate your work. Yep. So one, do you have client references that are going to be one punctual with giving you the reference in the timeframe you need it to be given to HubSpot so they can accredit you? And also, are they responsive enough to come back to you when you're asking for that? Um, there's no point asking for a reference from someone you did a project for 24 months ago. Because are right. they going to it remember? has to be fairly fresh and exactly. yeah, I mean, yeah, you're putting, there's trust in there, you know, uh, holding them accountable for delivering whatever they need to from the reference perspective, right? Like, yeah, they're going to turn it around by the time we need it to be turned around. Right. And it's also top of mind and fresh in their minds. Right. Exactly. Right. So it's not just about resources about, okay, have we done a project that validates that accreditation that is timely that the client can vouch for? Um, so you've got to bring that into perspective. And I think the last thing that you really kind of, kind of look at as well is, you know, how many accreditations are we going to actually spend in that time as well, right? Because it's it's not uncommon. Uh, there was a ton of great partners out there that I think in the first wave got a number of accreditations, ourselves included. And, you know, like, can you dedicate, are you going to spread yourselves thin across too many accreditations, which means you're not going to give a best-in-class response, right? It's better to have one accreditation than none at all, right? It's better to have something to show for your effort than um, very much coming out empty-handed because you spread yourself a bit too thin. Well, I so, can imagine, how do you balance the urgency, right? We know directionally, you know, where, where HubSpot may be heading and, and the value that holding accreditations is going to be, like the value that, that'll be there for partners. But yeah, at the same time, you don't want to dilute the team's, re your available resources across many uh, versus like, all right, how can we build the most comprehensive, robust, you know, effective application for one and Ken, you know, we know that these cohorts continue to run, you know, over the course of time. And so there will be future chances, but yeah, that's, it's a, it's a great point. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think that you, you hit on a key, a uh, key point there in terms of, you know, the, there are future cohorts, like don't rush yourself into applying when you might not have a best in class response. And I think there's, a, there's another factor to this as well is right. The more time you invest on your application, the whole principle of doing this is so you can submit a case study. There's nothing to stop you from using this case study in your own marketing and putting this on your website, right? It can be a lead generation tool. It can be a sales enablement tool. So it's not a redundant time effort just to get a badge on your profile. You're actually creating core content that you may not already have or put thought into creating, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not just, yeah, you don't have to think about it as a work stream in a silo. There's some secondary benefits here, regardless of yeah, exactly. the outcome of the accreditation process. Yeah. You have a fairly compelling case study that you can now yeah, use as a lead gen lever. For sure. and, se- and secondary to that as well is like you're actually involving collaboratively HubSpot on this journey of creating that case study with you, who are also going to probably cross promote that if you wanted to, to. You're building your network and you're building your distribution channels, right? We know that co-marketing is so important and partner um, just as much as HubSpot has the partner accreditations. It's very much a two-way avenue. HubSpot can help you as a partner in terms of putting you in front of the right people. So I think when you start, when you turn your mindset to look at this as more as a two-dimensional kind of journey, you start to see the benefits. It's actually like HubSpot have given us a best-in-class rubrics for delivering an impactful submission that is going to resonate with people in that sector or facing that problem. Yeah, that's All true. Kind of the guardrails are kind of offering some guidance into what's an effective means for demonstrating your expertise, right? And so, yeah, being like that should inform, you know, a fairly effective case study or, you know, marketing materials. Yeah, that's a great 100%. point. The, the element of the rubric or like the, the requests, right? The requirements it must meet. Yeah, as a, as a guiding tool. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Exactly. I think... We, we see it so often, right? It's the question often goes throws around, like you do loads of great work, it gets unnoticed and you're like, oh, we should do a case study. And it's like, who do we get on a case study? How do we do it? Like, what are the questions we need to ask? What do our customers actually care about? Because often what you can find is your case study will just shout about how great you are as opposed to how great the work you actually delivered was. So having that rubrics is a best in class response that you as a partner can leverage. And I think going back to the kind of the earlier point is, the accreditations program not only helps you identify where your niche is, it also helps you identify how to be give a best-in-class response and position yourself as a leader in that niche. And I think putting those two together, you're just building your credibility, you're building your referrals, you're building your network, and it's look at this as a long-term journey. As of right now, and I hope you're not going to tell me otherwise, you don't have to renew your accreditations imminently but we may go on to that. Um, but you know, there will be a period of doing that. But I think if you've got your submission nailed, the process just becomes quicker, right? It becomes more efficient. The first time is always the most painful, but you learn from it. You become more efficient. You've got your processes in place and you know what time to allocate as well. Yeah. The, uh, the, the renewal component, uh, it's an interesting flag. I can imagine that the folks that are more deeply involved in the accreditation strategy would have a soundbite that they would prefer I use in here now, but I think imminently, was the key word there. And that, yeah, I think it's fair to anticipate and expect that there will be, right, some regulation and some governance uh, to, you know, what goes into maintaining, renewing, et cetera. Um, But yeah, I don't think we would, you know, surprise any partners or have anything be too knee-jerky, right? So I think it's fair to anticipate, but yeah, again, imminently was the key word there. And of course, it's a long-term journey, right? Exactly. Sam, to go back to your point uh, uh, on resourcing, Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like accountability, like RACI, right? So we use DACI at HubSpot. So familiar with that sort of accountability matrix. Uh, uh, we know that the application windows tend to be about 30 days, right? A month. Uh, but actually timeline of application development for partners, at least through the experience of Fulius, how much time do partners need to be uh, carving out, right? Or how, what can they anticipate, right? Is the work, you know, that, that goes into it, right? Timeline wise, bandwidth wise, uh, you know, what, what should they anticipate? Uh, again, maybe in preparation for this next cohort in August, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, so the the great thing is that HubSpot give you a lot of forewarning on what's upcoming, right? You can already go to HubSpot.com forward slash partner credentials and see everything that's upcoming. There you go, a little plug for you. Um, but I'll never get in the way of a shameless plug. So appreciate uh, it. Yes, I mean, partner the, credentials is the page you need to be going to. Of course, there's no there's no shameless about it. Um, but again, they give you a lot of forewarning. So you, I can already see. I think back in back in like April time or May, uh, sorry March or April. Um, I already knew in August that they were releasing this phase two of accreditations in terms of like data architecture. I'm already planning for this now and we are in May, right? So in theory, yeah. based on that, um, I have best part of two to three months to prepare for this next wave of applications going live, right? So me as a partner, I'm already looking, going back to my point around resource is who needs to be involved? So starting from your racy, who needs to be consulted? Who's accountable and who are the individuals that ultimately are responsible for getting that over the line? Putting those people in terms of who you're going to put on that submission and then looking at your workload planning. I've got a three month lead time to balance. Can I carve out X amount of time to put two hours aside, maybe every other week um, over once that go live? Because you've already got on the some of the accreditations, you've already got preparation guides that you can actually take a look at. Ultimately, by the time this podcast goes out, the other thing is, is that you can look at past preparation guides of previous cohorts to get an idea on where this is going to go. So right. everything all... you need to know about the CRM implementation accreditation is out there, right? So you don't have to wait for an open, a window open. Maybe there's going to be some tweaks and some, you know, shuffling of some of the assets and the requirements, but you have you know, 95% uh, of the guidance already available. Yeah, it's a great call. Yeah, exactly. So have a look and just understand the kinds of questions because ultimately that's going to validate if you're a fit for that. Then put against your internal work lines and just allocate some time out, whether it's R&D, learning and development, whatever you guys classify that as. Because ultimately what you're building is a case study. Um, so it's technically in the eyes of agency billable. Um, and then what I would kind of take is from the time that window goes live, in theory, you have about four weeks for every round, right? So you've got four weeks for round one, four weeks for round two, and then ultimately four weeks after round two to get the accreditation. So it's about an eight to 12 week process, right? But by that point, you should already have fundamentally your answers. In that lead up to the accreditation, I would definitely be reaching out to your clients in terms of like, who can we use as a reference? Yep, get ahead of that, yep. Get that is the biggest sticking point as an agency is getting hold of the right people to validate. It's all well and good. You can put a best in class response, but if someone can't validate it, who's to say it actually happened. So tee them up, you know, um, we, we have our own ways of doing that. You know, we use like reach desk and stuff to getting people's inboxes, get notes. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the hit rate? How, what's yeah tips for the hit rate, the success rate on finding <laughs> someone to come in and validate. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, it's, it's two minutes of their time. Really. I, we explicitly say that as well. Like it's two minutes. It means a lot to us internally. Like you're not having to have a phone call with HubSpot talk for 45 minutes about the project. It's just a two minute validation. Um, and then we obviously incentivize that, whether it's a, a coffee voucher or something like that, just to make sure we're not lost in the noise in their smart, inbox, right? Smart. Yep. Um, shout out to reach desk there. But, um, generally speaking in the time in the lead up. So right now between May and August, I'm looking at, okay, which clients am I isolating for this next wave? If it's a previous accreditation, what did the previous rubrics look like? I'm already speaking to, if you have a project management team or the equivalent on our side about, can we place hold of some of their time to work towards this? I would also look from a pre-sales avenue, what 
opportunities do you have dropping in that period that are likely as well? Because what you might find is that, oh, them projects are going to push our bottom line. Therefore, we might go for the next cohort instead. And it it's all about balance. It's all about finding the midpoint, finding the seesaw. Um, as a kind of as a kind of a timeline, what I would anticipate is we did the custom integration um, accreditation from the developer that was involved. I reckon he spent two to three hours on video recording uh, alone. That was with a pre-written script, may I add. Um, <laughs> You've then got the videographer who did post edits, um, which I want to say is between two to three hours again, um, just to make sure it all sticks there. So you're already up to six or seven hours there of investment. You've got the actual script itself and consulting with the actual client on what can and can't be said. Let's call that, um, I want to say that was about half a day, four to five hours there. Based on that, the overall investment, you're kind of looking at from that integration alone and the different people involved, I'd say about 12 to 15 hours of investment that you need to do. I mean, you bring up a good point and just kind of calling out all of these, you know, uh, not secondary, but like, you know, they're, they're dependent tasks that uh, on the onset, right. You might not be thinking about how do I need carve out the necessary time uh, and task owners for that. Right. It's not just, all right, who's the subject matter expert internally based on the accreditation. Oh, our developers. Well, then they need to record video. Uh, never mind whatever production we'd want to add to that video, Never mind the script that we would need somebody to author. Right. So yeah, I mean, there's, it's very much a team effort. Um, also a- love just the recommendation here to have it be, uh, you know, a sustainable, you know, few hours a week in the run up placeholder of time, more long-term versus a huge, huge, uh, you know, push right at the deadline or something like that it just feels more sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Just chip away at it. Um, again, make sure. And I think one of the one of the ways this can fall through the way, and the reason that we kind of touched on earlier around it, treat it as a case study, is because ultimately you'll treat it like a project, like any other project you would do. If you treat this as just a certification, often it will get deprioritized. They often say, you know, the uh, the old analogy around the painter, right? The last house that the painter is ultimately going to do is their own. Um, right. The cobbler's so, children, right? They don't have yeah, shoes. Exactly, That's the right? popular one. Yep. So, so the point here is if you treat this as a case study, as opposed to an accreditation, you're ultimately going to have more drive around. This is going to be a key piece of content. Our sales team can leverage it, our marketing team. But then as you alluded to earlier, just a mini Gantt chart, just, just drop in the time in your workload management, assign the videographer, assign the script writer, because as you correctly alluded to, it's all well and easy for me to go and sit and talk about integrations, but it's going to take me longer to understand what that person did, speaking to the client, understanding their impact. And ultimately, I'm going to spend more time anyway. So you might think, oh, just put it on one person, they can get it from start to finish. But the reality is the inefficiencies that come with that, you're spending more time anyway, right? Right. I mean, yeah, there's pros and cons here, right? But yeah, distributed, right? And have like distributed load and having other folks contribute versus, all right, how do we have a singular person in charge, but like the game of telephone and translating this into the application, like, yeah, that might just, maybe it appears as being more efficient or better, but like, yeah, it actually will uncover some inefficiencies most likely or take longer. Right. Uh, and actually Sam, on that quick note, uh, we mentioned, you know, we need somebody to be accountable, right. For these, even if we're going to, you know, factor in, uh, involvement across the team, who at Fulius tends to be the accountable person, uh, if there is one for accreditations or does it depend on the accredit, but how do you assign, you know, ownership or accountability for, for each? Yeah. So I guess the way that we kind of look at it is so ultimately for the program, I, I would be accountable for that because I head up essentially the, um, the solutions part of the relationships. And yep. this is what this falls under in terms of the remit. 
in terms of who's accountable for that individual submission is very much the subject leader on that, right? Uh, think about, I guess, there's a few things to consider here is from a personal branding perspective, who wants to be the face of that? Who Maybe a development be? opportunity for somebody internally, right? Exactly. To drive this, right? Exactly. Give them a project, let them learn an upskill and let them work with how other, um, you know, everybody's familiar with assessments. Everybody loves an exam. Uh, I'm sure I can speak to that, but, um, but generally it allows people to really showcase their understanding as well and lets them work collaborative just because you're accountable for the program and getting the badge ultimately, if that's the way you want to look at it, it doesn't mean you're accountable for the, um, the quality of that submission, right? That would fall under the subject owner. And I guess the process that we go through internally is, is three factors, right? You, we will look at people that one, it's the resource element. Two, who was a subject lead and has the closest relation to the client we're ultimately going to be submitted. It's no point putting a developer that is the subject lead, but has no relation to the reference that we're going to be submitting. Doesn't really make sense there. So I guess there's that to consider. And I guess it's the other in terms of, you know, development opportunities, letting people run with it, let people take accountability and let people showcase their value and their understanding. And what, what we found through this process is that, um, Consequently, the people that were writing the scripts knew a lot more about technical architecture and APIs um, than what we thought they would have done, which has opened up new avenues. If we didn't let them run with that, hmm. mm-hmm. they would have never started writing technical content. So it's actually helped us realize where there actually is cross-skilling opportunity and cover systems that we can pull future levers on. So that's the way we kind of look at it. I think the main thing is one, Who's got the closest relation to the actual um, client you're going to be attesting to? Who's the subject lead? Who wants to develop the personal brand? And ultimately, you know, um, who has the time? Um, that's the yeah. way. That's the way we look at it. But it doesn't need to be overly complex. There's going to be some smallest solution partners who are probably listening to this, going, "This is all well and good coming from you know Felius." Well, here, that's actually a good point. Sam. just contextually, what's the total team size of Felius today? Yeah, so to kind of paint that picture. So we are a team just over 30, um, and that is um, dedicated HubSpot professionals. There's a team of, I think, uh, six to eight developers and designers. So we've got dedicated people accountable um, for these different remits, which allows us to do these handoffs, right? For some of these newer partners, and albeit the great partners, and you know, the growing at a rapid rate is often the growing quicker than they can recruit. It's a, you know, it's a tough market. HubSpot's quite a new uh, skill. And I guess they're listening to this kind of going, well, that's well and good, but what if I don't have a developer? And I guess that kind of takes you back to step one, right? Is this accreditation right for you? If you don't have someone that's doing the work, is it the one you want to go for? And secondary, if it is someone that you do want to go after, you know, is it something that you can speak towards as well? Because ultimately there's two sides to this. And I've spoke a lot about videography and the video. The case study is just one element, the video case study. You will also submit, you know, written practices of your examples of work. So whilst, you know, you might be looking at this going, well, I don't have the developer or maybe the person working on the project has since left. This is natural. It's what happens. Hmm. So you're not at a downside to do that submission, even if you weren't the face of the actual project at the time. The practicum proves that. The actual case study is you just attesting to that and being able to explain and confidently put yourself across as that subject lead. So. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the timing is all the same. The process in terms of who wants to develop, that might still be the founder of the agency. He may want to grow into that space. It isn't, there's no hard and set rule on this, but um, yeah, just collaborate with your team. It's a consultative process. It's not something where I go, 
okay, accreditation in, that person's going to do it. They're going to be accountable. I expect this being submitted on this day. I'll catch up with you the day after. It, it isn't as formulaic as that. Well, I like the, I mean, there's a balance of, all right, how do we uh, apply the next, the necessary uh, depth of structure, something like a RACI, et cetera, but also how do we ensure that there's still enough malleability or flexibility in distributed ownership based on, you know, certain pockets. So I think that that's super helpful guidance. Uh, now, Sam, we've talked about it a little bit. Yep. I think you may have planted the seed, uh, I don't know, uh, halfway through the, the conversation thus far. I want to revisit it. Applications itself, right? We talked about the video case study. There are some practicum requirements. We know that there's like, you know, asset submissions, artifact submissions of real world examples or application of these things. Now, I never want to say that there's going to be hacks to this process, but what have you found to be, you know, a successful approach or the way in which you package or format or author out your assets uh -huh. uh, to improve your likelihood of passing, right? Any recommendations for other partners uh, on how to improve their chances uh, of having their application accepted? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I'm a bit of a stickler for this, if I'm being honest. Um, it, when I first looked at the accreditation kind of like document, I, I'll be honest, I was a bit blindsided by it. I was like, wow, this is a this is not a certification of its traditional form. Um, but it, I recalled back to uh, my high school uh, math teacher. I was really bad at maths historically, which makes no sense because I'm looking at data all the time now. But, You're uh, bad at math, yeah? Yeah, bad at, bad at math. Generally, like I was not great at it. I was more of an English person than, than uh, somehow I ended up in a data role, but that's not the point. <laughs> that works, uh, yeah. It's, it's how it happens, right? But I remember a key piece of advice they did because uh, ultimately I was concerned about passing the exam, et cetera. And they always said, work back from past exam marking criteria. And what they said really anecdotally is, no one wants to be sat there on a Saturday marking your submission. It could be as great. Your exam results could be as great as it is, but ultimately just as much as you putting in the effort to submit it, it's someone else putting in the effort to mark it, right? And I can't stress this enough, just make it easy. Make it easy for the examiner or the assessor to be able to go through your criteria in relation to what they're marking. And HubSpot's accreditation is great um, at outlining exactly what they're looking for. Don't beat around the bushes. Don't, you know, go um, above and beyond and trying to make yourself so left. Don't over-engineer. Don't over-complicate. Yeah, exactly. Don't add in fluff. Yeah, just, hey, we know what the examiner is looking for. Surface that as clearly and as easily as you can. And you and you can make this as simple as you want to be. And I guess what we often do is we wireframe and skeleton the assessment criteria and then almost pull apart our projects and how it relates to that so what we do is we take um a full understanding of the project from start the middle the finish so what so essentially that pre-sale so what was the challenge they were facing what was the solutions that were presented how did we deliver this what were the unexpected influences of the project what was the impact of the project that's a general kind of structure of a narrative with that the accreditation framework or the uh, the rubrics um, will outline within that what they want to see. So then I will just dissect what I already know on that project and put key bullet points onto my blank document of the assessment criteria. I will then ask the subject lead to ultimately, can you flesh that out? Can you put your own perspective? Like, why did we do it that way? And it's a great, uh, one thing we haven't really called out here, it's a great learning opportunity, not just for HubSpot, but for you, because kind of you're looking back and doing a 360 on projects. True. Yeah, it's a retrospective on yeah, yeah these types of engagements. Yeah, hundred percent. So when you're looking back, you'll find oh, that's actually quite. Cool. We, there's a process refinement here, and you're making 
it might seem at the outset like this is time we don't have to do, but then you'll find you'll save that time in process requirements from doing the 360. So cash 22. Um, it's but- interesting. When you say like, so th- this exercise, all right, we wireframe it out, we, the criteria, we chart the engagements we think will me- kind of track well, yep. you know, and then we start to flesh out what they want to see, bullet it out. Subject leads can help expand the why or the justification. Is that a, uh, I can imagine it's a collaborative process. Is it synchronous? Is it a whiteboarding session? Is it, a, is it somewhere in, you know, whatever uh, software you use for kind of mapping that stuff out? Like, how does that actually, that process, that, you know, un- unfold? I mean, I'm not going to over-engineer it, which is what we're alluding to. Um, but uh, generally, it is as simple as, you know, we use uh, GDocs with the, G, uh, the Google Workspace. It just allows us for collaboration a lot easier. In its early form, it's as easy as, you know, just putting a Word doc together using a racy format so put the re- put the remarking criteria down who's accountable for answering each bit who's the subject like because you might find that one subject lead isn't the right fit to answer the impact because they weren't around to see it right there's no point the developer who did all the front end and the back end talk about the impact because they moved on to the next project by then but the maybe the account manager or the customer success manager they would know the impact because they were for the full relationship of the client right so you can work in a GDoc. It doesn't have to be overly engineered or overly complex. Just assign, tag your colleagues, whoever you've got in your uh, resource for it. The other tool that I live by and commonly um, joked around internally is I'm a big fan of Miro, uh, which is an online uh, whiteboarding tool. I think they're great. Um, The reason that I'm shouting those guys out is especially for these like uh, custom integration projects internally, we had to map out wireframes and to help the other people understand their part in that project, which allowed them to fluff out their answers. So we use Miro to help whiteboard the entire, maybe the ecosystem, the data architecture, which is shameless plug to August, um, in terms of putting that together, right? So we use the GDoc to flesh out our answers, but we, for more complex matters and how it all fits together, we use something like an online whiteboarding tool such as Miro. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, Sam, I want to, uh, again, kind of, knowing that World Certification Week 2023 is here. Uh, another key component of this whole accreditations process is the prerequisites, right? We know uh, there's a lot in there. You know, multiple people need to achieve multiple certifications. I think it's a, in totality of like 30 or something like that across the team, right? Uh, what's your approach for that? How do you, you know, audit the existing search your team may have? How do you you know, a sign out? How do you track progress against the prereqs? Any recommendations there? I know that can be a fairly heavy lift for partners as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. We, we actually faced this internally, a bit of challenge we had was, um, and ultimately our developers, you know, they specialize across on Braco and HubSpot, um, in parallel. Um, they, they naturally wouldn't have the marketing hub software. Um, they know of it, they know why, but it's not a direct need in their day to day. They'll have HubSpot for CMS for obvious reasons, but, um, you know, there's gaps. And I think, the way to look at it is that we're fortunate enough at Fulius to have the size of the team we have, which means that we have the accreditations at any one point. But for those smaller agencies, what I definitely would suggest is, you know, and this this goes beyond the accreditation process, if I'm being honest, is that everyone in your, your role as part of their onboarding and their kind of like employee starter kit or whatever it is, should have certifications mapped if they're going to be working in HubSpot. Because... I don't see HubSpot certifications um, nowadays as um, very much products. There is more of a career platform. It really allows you to build your areas. It makes you more commercially aware. You're, again, your marketing knowledge becomes agnostic knowledge. You can mm-hmm. apply it. 
So one way that we helped ourselves was we made sure that at any point in time, we have internal scorecards by role, which means that they have to attain and um, maintain certain certifications, which mean that by the time you get to an accreditation, you need free marketing software, you need free service software, free sales software. We already had those because it's part of people's fundamental requirements within their role. Mm. Uh, there may be a few nuances in there where there's new certifications, but regular review them, right? Because ultimately your, your climate's changing, your market's changing, the work you're doing is changing, the product's changing. So really the certifications you expect of certain roles should be baked in and should change as malleable as the product is. Yeah, it's a really um, good point that, uh, and I think a number of partners do already do that, right? I mean, uh, uh, new hire onboarding, how do we reduce the time to ramp for new folks? It's like, yeah, self-paced on-demand courses that hopefully talk about the topics and things you're hoping that they would go do. Assign those out. Hopefully by the time an accreditation window opens, it's not the first time we're looking to like get our team into the right certifications, but it sounds like same too. Uh, there are still some tweaks or some additive pieces to just like fill in the gaps. But again, that feels a lot more of a manageable process than starting from scratch. Yeah. And, and I think going back to that as well is I think the key point here is that, you know, I know right now, three months in advance that the data architecture is going to soon release. Um, I could already be technically doing those certs and HubSpot don't, doesn't make it overly complex in terms of what certifications map to what accreditation. Naturally, there's a data architecture certification. I would imagine that's going to correspond to the data architecture accreditation, right? It's a good so hypothesis. Yeah. The HubSpot architecture, the data integration, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and you, this is in prep guides and other where, but like, you know, we have kind of that essential prerequisite list, which remains unchanged regardless of accreditations, right? So hopefully that offers some clarity. And then, yeah, maybe for each individual accreditation, there's like one or two other certs that you would have to tack on. But I mean, most of the information to your point, Sam, is, is out there and, and, you know, ready to action. Yeah. And I think just to jump on that point as well is that there's so many questions that we, you wouldn't, HubSpot cannot answer in a single PDF, right? It's a big PDF, albeit I, don't, I wouldn't want it to get any bigger, but generally you're going to have questions. It's, it's a new program, right? It's still very much in its infancy. Just email the accreditations team. They have a dedicated email address. They're super responsive. You asking questions will probably open up for prompts that they haven't thought of. Yeah. Um, as an example of this, um, I think in one of the, the recent accreditations, so the custom one again, uh, the custom integration, um, it said, you need to submit a video case study that is independent from your previous practices. And we said, that's fair, but this accreditation isn't um, an award in terms of volume, right? It's, it's the quality of the work and the experience you had. So therefore, could we use a project we um, submitted in the practicum as the video case study? And they were open. They were flexible. They helped us. Like they're not mm. here to, it's not a black and white approach, right? At the end of the day, this isn't to block partners. It's to enable partners to be the best in their field and the best in their areas. All I would say is if you have an uncertainty, you have a query, don't just write it off on the PDF alone. Reach out to the accreditations team. If you don't want to do that, reach out to your CSM. They're there to support you in terms yeah, of like- Yeah, right channel consultants, right? Exactly. They should be able to help offer some guidance too. Yeah, I mean, honestly- it's a great plug in that, sure, there's going to be some elements to this process that are intentionally, you know, uh, uh, ambiguous or like, you know, we want partner, you know, HubSpot wants partners to kind of fight through. But at the same time, there are support channels and resources available to get the appropriate context and clarity you need to, again, build those applications as best as you can. Yeah. The accreditations at HubSpot.com alias, great call out. Yeah, it's a great yeah. use of that team. And it, like I said earlier, it's not black and white, right? You hit the nail on the head. It's, there's there are areas of ambiguity and the reason for that is no partner's the same therefore we shouldn't guardrail them into all submitting the exact same 
submission, right? The way that I'll go about it will be completely different to another partner in the UK. It'll be completely different to a partner in the US. It's HubSpot wants to see not only the, the fields that these partners can sit in, but also the different ways that different partners approach it because speaking to implementa- implementations, for example, yes, there's hundreds of agencies that can do an implementation, but they all approach it very differently. And that approach might be the difference for that prospect going through that. So totally. that's the reason there's ambiguity. It's not HubSpot trying to catch you out. It's very much use that to spark your creativity and then lean on your support channels to ultimately cross-reference any concerns or doubts that you may have. Yeah, that's a tremendous recommendation. Uh, it's a really great frame of reference. Sam, as we push on time here, uh, uh, two last questions. I've, I'll save the, the final question, the, the primary wrap in a moment. But uh, knowing again, World Certification Week may be a really strategic time for teams to assign out any uh, prerequisite gaps. But how are you uh, and Fulius sell, uh, you know, celebrating World Certification Week? How, what's your plan of attack? Do you have a certification top of mind that you're going to tackle? Yeah, so really good point. So we are, again, we, a lot of the work we do is heavily complex implementations. We do a lot of integrations as well. So naturally, the kind of field of our work that it lends itself to is the data architecture certifications, which was great because what we're trying to do at the moment is uh, what this actually opened up is we have in, in we have within the agency people that are responsible for ultimately delivering the work. What we're finding is as we go more up market as an agency, we need dedicated people in a pre-sales capacity to do solution engineering, essentially. These certifications we are now- Pre-sales engineering, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right right now we're thinking, okay, we've got a certification. There's adequate time. The time is now to kind of do it. And whether you're being strategic or not about it, this is a key opportunity when HubSpot is going to be rewarding partners, helping them promote, getting their message across and recognizing for the efforts they take for a good cause, right? If there's any time to do your certifications, it's this week because HubSpot's going to shout about it. You're going to get all that awareness, recognition. So think about your own marketing in terms of like how you can work conjunctively with HubSpot to get your name out there, right? As like you are champion HubSpot, you're championing best practice, you're championing good causes. So there's a, there's a marketing play here. Yeah, but there's listen, also... we love getting certs, but like, oh, how do you use your involvement in exactly. engagement with World Certification Week as amplifying, right, your, the messaging and the marketing of your own team, right? The work of your team. Yeah, yeah, it's a good angle. Yeah, and I think the, the one thing it comes back to is, you know, what does your agency do for like social corporate responsibility and all that fun stuff? So yeah. by actively participating in that program, you know, that's the first step in helping give you that kind of side to your marketing steer as well. Um, the other great thing is what we often say is that generally um, it's for people's own career development, right? So like the nature of it is people will go on to develop their careers and now is a great week for them to really diversify and really lead as the thought leader, develop the career. I think the great thing about this week is that everyone's in the same boat which means that you can isolate time and no one feels guilty for where they would down tool and spending time on these accreditations because you can have this as collaborative workshops, collaborative classrooms, which may make the whole process of getting the certification actually quicker. Uh, one thing we do at Fulius is we massively encourage and champion classroom learning. So we help the teams work off each other as opposed to rewarding people to work in silo. Mm-hmm. Uh, which in doing so means that p- people work closer together on projects because they've built those relationships. And the old showing, adage, uh, this might be an old Mark Killens quote, but teams that learn together grow together, right? So love the exactly. love the advocating so, for, for collaborative classroom style yeah, training together. It's great. 
Yeah, if you think about it from a business point of view, right? You've got eight people that are doing a certification. Let's say it's two hours to get that certification. Eight times two, that's how many hours have been invested and spent in non-billable. If they're in a classroom together doing it all together, yes, it's the same time, but you've done that in a day as opposed to losing various different outputs over the course of a week. Yeah. So that's the that's the way we're approaching it, um, doing collaborative breakouts. People don't feel guilty for doing it. And um, very much, you know, we're doing it for a good cause. So let's everybody chip in, lead by example. That's a great tip. Uh, now, Sam, final question. Again, as uh, we're hitting time, I want to squeeze this in. What's the strangest part of agency life? <laughs> um, the reason I just looked away there is uh, just to check in on who's around before before I say this answer. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, right, right. See who's around. Yeah, get your bearings yeah, straight. Yeah, 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 you know. I've got, I want to stay in the agency life, so it depends on what I say here. Um, I think that... <sighs> The strangest part of agency life is it's the old age-old cliche, you know, no day is the same, right? I didn't think I'd be having a podcast with Kevin Dunn today. Um, you have to move things around. Um, I also didn't think that, you know, um, I scrapped this. I don't have an answer. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah, we'll pause it. We'll hold, we'll hold it there. Yeah, no, th- the days, the days change, right? How do you predict the next day, the next week? I, I, I can imagine things move fast, things shuffle, the yep. diversity of problems you solve, the businesses you work with. But again, man, I think that's hopefully part of the exciting uh, element of it and why you do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think the, the variety in doing these, the people you work with, the clients that you ultimately go on to do projects for, it's a diverse nature. I could be jumping in a, um, you know, a fertility clinic, going into professional financial services. The whiplash too between, you know, uh, the, the type <laughs> of work you're probably sinking your teeth into. Yeah. Well, it's, Sam, um, it's crazy. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's a wild times. Uh, well, Sam, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, so insightful uh, and feels fairly actionable for others too, as they start to plan out and chart out what the accreditations strategy will look like for their businesses, how to scalably approach, you know, uh, the application process, how to light, how to improve their odds potentially, right. Based on application design. Uh, and obviously, you know, maximizing World Certification Week, especially to tackle some of those prereqs. So uh, great conversation, super helpful uh, to gain your perspective on this stuff. Uh, but anyway, Sam, it's it's been a pleasure having you on. No, honestly, I appreciate the time. And I guess if anyone has any questions on that, I'm more than happy to assist. So just reach out on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, we're a community at the end of the day. Let's work together. It's all for a good cause. Love it, man. Cool. Um, so I think we'll wrap here. And again, for those that have been tuning in, happy World Certification Week. Uh, and this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.